everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Bowhunter Chronicles podcast brought to you by Tacticam. Tacticam is by far the easiest way to begin filming your hunts. Whether it's a budget-friendly solo or the 4K 5.0, Tacticam has something for everyone. And we've been using the crap out of these Tacticams. I've got uh, some custom mounts built. We've been using them um, extensively. I'm sending some off to South Dakota with my brother. Frank's got some up hunting right now. John's got one. I've got one. Um, you know, last year we filmed one kill and this year we've killed a couple of turkeys on film. We've, uh, killed one deer on film, Frank shooting at all sorts of deer, uh, with the tacticams. So, uh, hopefully by the time this whole season, uh, winds out, we'll have improved to, uh, more than one deer killed on video. And a lot of that will be thanks to the tacticam. So, Seriously, uh, a very easy way. We talk about it a little bit in this podcast, but um, what a great way uh, to start filming your hunts. Uh, if you just even just want to see the shot or get the deer coming in, uh, have something to show uh, the guys back at camp. Uh, it's a really great uh, tool to to be able to do that. So uh, definitely t- check them out at tacticam.com. Um, we are also working with uh, Spartan Forge. So if you look back... Uh, a few episodes ago, it's it's crazy. Uh, machine learning for deer hunting. That product is in its beta testing stages right now. Uh, but basically what, it's, what it does is it uses uh, artificial intelligence machine learning uh, to predict deer movement patterns uh, based on millions, if not billions at this point, of data points compiled from collared deer studies, uh, historical data for harvest for each time of year, uh, weather patterns for those days, car deer accidents, uh, all of that goes into this supercomputer and it's placed in the algorithm and it pops out what are the best days to be in the woods for your area. Uh, sounds crazy and uh, maybe it is, but basically it is like the farmer's almanac uh, on steroids and uh, very interesting stuff, and we're happy to be working with Spartan Forge this year coming up. So uh, you can check that out at SpartanForge.ai, and, and you can get a little bit more information. You can check back at our previous podcast on it, but that's SpartanForge.ai. Today's podcast is uh, Bill Reich from Luminoc. He's one of their staff coordinators, and uh, we're, we're talking to him about uh, lighted knocks, and kind of the differences in them, build quality, uh, etc. Um, if you haven't heard the story of John shooting uh, the Jeep with a with an arrow, we go through that a little bit. We talk a little bit about Tacticams. Uh, but this is a, a, a pretty good episode. Uh, interesting, you know, to learn about the history of lighted knock and the, and the differences. You know, we just think about them all as being the same. Yeah, you shoot them, no big deal. And then they break, and then you have to buy more. Uh, Luminox actually designed with replaceable batteries, so you can... Um, just, you know, instead of spending more money on knocks every time, you can just buy a couple batteries, uh, replace the batteries, no tools, uh, operation. And it's based on a real knock. So it's not a thinner, uh, lighter, you know, the, the material is no different than a normal, uh, knock that, that you would come stock. So, um, just a few of the things that are different about Luminock and we go through a little bit about that, but, uh, it's fun 
podcast, lots of laughs, and I think you guys are going to enjoy it. So uh, enjoy the episode. Thank you. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Bowhunter Chronicles podcast. We are into November, and uh, podcasts are in the dark late at night trying to uh, get in as much hunting as we can uh, in between sits and rut activity all of that and honeydew lists all of the all of those things and if you've been following along you know my wife's birthday is the it's the eighth (laughs) (laughs) Uh, november the eighth so uh i have to you know plan my rutcation around that and this year it happens to be on a weekend it's a lot easier when it's on a wednesday because she doesn't ever want to do anything but it's the weekend so it's got to be the birthday weekend and all of that so yeah we're trying to knock these out as best as we can and you know keep it keep everything relevant um tonight we've got bill reich from luminoc uh we're going to talk a little bit about uh lighted knocks and things that luminoc has and then uh, a little bit about um the show season here um as many of you know the ata show has been canceled uh shot show has now been canceled national wild turkey federation uh, their show has been canceled. So um, we'll talk about how that's going to affect some of these companies going forward. So, Bill, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing well, man. Thank you guys for having me. Yeah, you kind of reached out and said, man, everything's kind of going sideways. Uh, you got any room for me on the podcast? We can we can talk about some of this stuff. But uh, before we get into that... Um, Let's get a little bit of history on you and like your hunting style, where you're at, where you're from, how long you've been bow hunting, all that that good stuff. All right. Well, I've been bow hunting for uh, over 35 years now. I'm a ground blind hunter and unfortunately a disabled yet able hunter that can get out uh it, as long as i can with the modified setup that i have to do to keep my butt out in the woods for the longest amount of time possible okay. as far as anything else goes it, it's been illinois whitetail i've hunted some in iowa um uh, compound and uh as starting this year this is my first season that i've actually used a crossbow and i've had uh, good success with it two deer that are down and in the freezer now and uh now i think i'm going to be picking up the compound again and getting out after it uh getting out after them with it and seeing what i can put together from that aspect and you said you're in uh kind of like southern illinois right on the border there between uh kentucky and and kind of uh, a few other states you just hunt illinois or do you bounce around every to to all those states as the the seasons open up well uh that opportunity has opened itself up for me now uh when i took over running the uh the national staff program that we have i took over back in about mid mid to the uh latter third of june and uh, other than that, I've, I've staffed for the company now going on, well, shoot, almost two and a half years now. And I've been using the products since like 2006. So 
Um, looking forward to what this next year is going to bring. I'm looking into several different hunts that I will be able to bounce around on, but uh, it, it's been primarily uh, Illinois hunting for me, and I've done some Iowa pheasant and duck and stuff like that, and um, you know, got pretty much got to start with my uncle and my grandfather out of Wisconsin. They, you know, went up every year to go hunting there. And when I was about five, they brought me out into the woods and, you know, they, they said that, uh, you know, we need your help to track the deer, which, you know, they obviously already knew where it was, but they were introducing me to it. And then as, as years went on, uh, they actually did you know, request my help and I was able to do so. And, and so that, that was the start of what the, uh, addiction that I have now is, and I'm not seeking any kind of treatment for it. <laughs> <laughs> and so back in those, uh, so you said for, for 35 years, like, so what was the, the archery equipment when you started bow hunting? Let's see, well, see where that I, shows up in our, our archives here. Well, uh, I had an old bear bow that I can't remember the name of it, but I, I remember shooting that quite a bit when I was at home and when we went when we went out to the range and stuff like that. And I remember also when I was in school, they had uh, one section of the gym class, uh, the quarter or whatever the case might have been, that they actually had uh archery in in school when i was going through in the in the uh, gym program so that's uh, pretty much with a it, it wasn't even a it was a dual a dual roller bow uh set up as what i remember on the bear and the ones that we had <clears throat> excuse me and the ones that we had in school and then they also had recurves uh in school and uh, played around a, a bit with both of the above, but you know, really, really got the the juices flowing was always a compound for me. Not knocking uh, traditional style in any way, shape, or form, but just you know, wasn't wasn't my choice of the direction that I wanted to go uh, with archery. You know, throughout the course of my life, and you know, every year the new products that were coming out. Uh, you know, aluminum arrows were a big thing back then. Uh, the Easton, ah, shoot, I don't remember what they were, but yeah, they were, there were, th those were the big things back then, you know, when, when dual cam, well, single cam bows and all that other stuff were, were basically in the design and release stages back in the, like, well, early to mid, mid eighties and nineties and, and stuff like that. And that's going, that's going a little ways back. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, John, I mean, so also for the listener, John just had a birthday yesterday, right? So how old are you now, John? 46. So you know. uh -huh, you're older than me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, see, I remember all those days I started out with the old, I started out with the old PSEs and well, I mean, my very first bow was the old bear, like the red fiberglass, you know. <laughs> I think they still yeah. make them, <laughs> but yeah, I, mine, mine was green, and yeah. then the ones that we had in the gym class were the red fiberglass ones. Yep, yeah. yep, yeah, that's what I started out with, and then went to the, you know, 
first compound, my PSE, and then had some spoilers. But, yeah, you're talking about the old Easton, like, double X-75s and the Game Getter. Yep. And, oh, yeah. Went through all those. <laughs> so, one thing that we, I mean, I, I guess we did it this year really for the first time. Last year we did, and I, John had joked around about it a little bit, like, when he was younger. But, you know, so we really don't hunt too much from the ground or out of, like, the pop-up blinds or anything like that a, a whole lot. Uh, have you ever shot a deer out of a, a pop-up blind, John, like, with a with a bow? Nope. Yeah. So, uh, in, you know, I've seen how, like, with turkeys and stuff, you know, the – the size of the bow, the, you know, the arrow and all of those things. So I guess it sounds like you've been doing it for quite some time. I guess what tips would you have for guys? You know, I mean, are you shooting a shorter axle to axle bow? I think one of the problems that I have is like how to position the bow with the arrow on the string. You know, it sticks out, you know, 20 inches, you know, two feet past the, the riser, right. all that stuff. So I guess for, for guys that are hunting out of ground blinds with a bow, I mean, what are your setups or what things have you learned over the years And as far as that, that goes? Well, I started out in, I mean, when, when I was, shoot, at least 20 years younger, maybe even a bit longer when uh, the ground blinds were really first coming out uh it, it, anything before that i made i made my own blinds i mean i grabbed you know deadfall limbs and and branches and um in illinois we we have a tree that was a well less than brilliant deduction uh by the department of forestry the russian olive tree which now grows absolutely rampant and so that was part of our deal is we needed to cut you know for the properties that we were allowed to hunt on we we had to cut those those trees down and so they'd be you know so the oaks and and cedars and and everything else would would grow and not get choked out by those trees uh, I forgot what the actual reason was that that Illinois brought those in, uh, but that was part of the deal. So I, you know, we always constructed the ground blinds out of, you know, like I said, deadfall limbs and whatnot. And my uncle, my uncle and my uh, grandfather, my uncle hunted from tree stands uh, way back when when I was little. My grandpa uh, actually hunted with me on the ground. And he hunted on the ground uh, the majority of his life up in Wisconsin. And I mean, he he hunt bear, deer, uh, turkey, you know, you name it, up in the North Woods, up in Wisconsin, up there. So I mean, that was definitely a cool, you know, a cool way to get brought up into seeing stuff like that. Was seeing the bears out in the backyard and the deer just running around, you know, up there doing their own thing. And I, it just, ever since I was a kid, it just had me absolutely mystified on, on everything, uh, from the ground. And I, I really liked being on, uh, on the level with, with the deer or the turkey or whatever, you know, whatever I'm hunting. Uh, as far as it went, I started out with a, uh, doghouse style blind when I was, 
like I said, about 20, 25 years ago, I believe, give or take. And anyway, that was, uh, that really wasn't a good blind for archery. It, you, you had to be positioned in it absolutely perfectly, and you could pretty much only draw back uh, to, and shoot out one window. Uh, it was a good gun blind, <laughs> mind you, but as far as archery with a, you know, with a, a, a normal average size six foot male, give or take a little bit. You, you really were limited on space. And like you said, with the, you know, the, I, I actually uh, shot a pretty small axle to axle bow, but yeah, the, the arrow sticking out 20 plus inches out the front of it definitely played into, uh, into the game of getting upgraded to the box blind, you know, the, the hub style, whether it be Rhino or, or Baronet or, you know, Double Bull was, you know, one of the big ones back years and years ago. And I got into actually a Baronet 250 ground blind, and that that allows you to move around a little bit more free. Uh, the arrow and the bow are usually pretty comfortably sat in there. You you really don't have to worry too much about it unless you're clumsy like me and knock the bow over and, you know, then the broadhead goes through the side of the blind. And, well, that's where liquid stitch comes in, and that fixes that right up. <laughs> uh, a few years back now, I, I upgraded to the Baronet 350s, which are significantly taller, and actually you could take two you know, two normal steps from side to side of the blind and you can stand up and I, I'm just over six foot and I still have, you know, six, seven, maybe even eight inches on, you know, on top of me. So that is, that's going to be the way that I'm moving into, you know, in forward years, but I still, I'm a big fan of just, you know, finding a little, little brush pile or a few trees that you can, you know, kind of nestle in and, you know, play that game too, where, you know, you're, you're flat out in their vision. So you're on the same playing field as them and you're beating their senses with what you know how to do and what you've learned over the course of, you know, your entire life. So that that's definitely one of the big aspects that I, I that I love to do, and actually I really don't use too many trail cams. I, in fact, I haven't in years. I like to go do my own scouting, uh, look for the sign, and you know, then then find some little places that I can maybe just sneak into and and just kind of nestle in real quick and. Then go from there, you know, then the game's on and you, you do the best that you can with what you got. I feel like you and John are kind of like kindred spirits in that regard. I mean, <laughs> so John's never owned a trail camera in his life. And uh, we got some of the, we got two of the, the new Tacticam reveal uh, cell cams. And if you listen to the last podcast, you'll know that John doesn't even know how to work the payment process because he paid for a year in advance when he was trying to do month by month. But uh, <laughs> yeah, thanks. <laughs> yeah, so, I, I want to throw that out there. But he's got this brand new 
cell cam that he's paid up for a year on taking pictures in his garage right now because <laughs> he has yet to put it in the woods. <laughs> a bunch of a bunch of my guys are actually on staff for for Tacticam, and I've actually started using the cameras uh, this year. And I, admittedly, it's I've I've got a lot that I need to learn, and the first. I had just actually bought a crossbow up in Harrisburg earlier this year at that at the uh, greatest outdoors show or the great, great American outdoors. outdoor show. Yeah, that's the one. And um, anyway, it was through one of our one of Luminox vendors that was there. So we wound up, you know, being able to do some wheeling and dealing. And so I, I bought one and um, bought it on the premise that throughout the course of a season, I was missing several weeks because I've got uh, some pretty serious, well, I, it, I, some very serious back problems. And I've also got several herniated discs from my neck down into my thoracic spine. So usually I play the cards with, if my back's cooperating with me, I can go out. That's the biggest thing that I have to overcome, overcome with, with what I have going on. But then there were days when my, my neck and thoracic were, were very sore. And I was just realizing I was sitting on the couch, I'm watching TV. And the problem being is that I can't hold the bow back. If I got to wait for a deer to go past a tree or a little brush, brushy area or tall grass or whatever the case may be, I, I'm just not able to hold the bow back for that length of time when my neck is deciding to do it, its great flare-up. So I was, thought, I was thinking about it over the past, well, few years, and I finally pulled the trigger on it, uh, like I said, back in Harrisburg and bought it on the premise well if my back's cooperating and my neck's not i can i can draw it back you know i could i could pull it back and you know it's it's set so i just i don't have to worry about drawing holding it and all that good stuff and well i had the tacticam mounted on the bottom rail and i didn't realize that it was basically just shooting a picture of a black inside of a blind but I got some great audio on it. Um, then the last uh, that uh, I killed a small buck here last week, and basically they snuck up on me, so I didn't even have a chance to hit the button on the camera. So this old guy needs a little bit of practice with that stuff. But I'll get it. I, I'm determined it's gonna happen <laughs> somehow. If it kills me, I'm gonna make it happen. <laughs> it's funny because that's like the same, the same stuff I've done. Well, we were turkey hunting this spring, and luckily we had like five other cameras going. But I have my Tacticam mounted on my stabilizer, and it was like right pointing right at the side of the tent. <laughs> so same thing. We got some audio footage, but nothing on the on that Tacticam. And then I was out west for three weeks hunting and. I got footage of one shot at an elk, but I killed a mule deer. I shot at an antelope twice. I had two different antelope shots, and the battery died on one. I didn't even have the camera with on the first one. And then 
Yeah, this is all kinds of. Yeah, so uh, we're we we work with Tacticam as well. We've got the other half of the uh, the the podcast hosts is uh, John's uncle, my father-in-law, and then his hunting partner. And these guys are old, retired, and you know they've got nothing but time to hunt, and that's all they do. And it's like you guys need to video stuff. So when when we are at ATA. Same deal, you know, they talk to the guys at Tacticam, and they're like, you got to do something, you got to do something, you got to do something. So we got these uh, cameras for them, and then so all of turkey season this year, John killed a turkey with Tacticam, uh, but screwed it up. <laughs> we, I mean, we killed, we killed the turkey, we videoed it from a hundred other angles. Uh, one of the old guys, Ernie, killed one, and we got a little bit of that from the head Tacticam, but his was inside the blind pointing at the black as well and um <laughs> then uh i um i took a shot at one i stalked this turkey a, a long ass ways i don't i mean <laughs> how far was that crawl well it was a good 75 yards or so up that in that field do you mean yeah 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 you went up i mean that was quite well all the way across the field was well over 100 yeah, and then but you had to crawl for quite a ways. So so same thing that happened to John. Like during that crawling process, I had the Tacticam on, and then the battery died. So when I shot at him, I didn't get it on there. And so so there's a little bit of a learning curve, I guess, as far as battery life and and placement. But um, you know, my father-in-law Frank, he's God, he's I can't we get, when we get him on the podcast again. Um, he, he, so since the last time he's been on the podcast for the the listeners here, uh, Uncle Frank has missed two more eight points, and uh, didn't turn the tact cam on either one of them, and so he's telling these stories about like, oh yeah, I missed this, you know, on the one that you know when I missed that deer, and I'm like, Frank, I am sorry, but you're gonna have to start clarifying which miss right. we're talking about because <laughs> these are getting these are getting all you know. Yeah, a little confusing. I was texting him last night, and I'm like, so how's the hunting going? He's like, well, seeing a whole lot, just not killing them. <laughs> so. But at least the first two he got, he did get some video with the Tacticam. And then the other dude, Ernie, he, he tagged out and left his Tacticam in the truck. <laughs> yeah, left it in the truck, went out and, and killed <laughs> both of his buck tags in the same morning. So. Uh, yeah, I, I would have to definitely agree with the learning curve part because, yeah, Lord knows, it, it, but like I said, I got I got great video of the black inside of the bl- inside of the blind with pretty good audio, and and the next time I didn't even they, they snuck up on me. I was just concentrating on picking the crossbow up, getting it rested, you know, getting my elbow on my knee rested, and lining up the shot and everything, and I shot it. Deer dropped right on the spot, and then I realized I'm like, "Dag, gum it! I forgot to turn the damn camera on." I'm like, "Are you kidding me?" So, I'm gonna hopefully remember when I'm gonna be bringing the compound out, and I'll I'll be you know mounting it on the stabilizer as well. But it, biggest thing to remember is you know when you're not used to doing it, when you're not used to you know, playing with cameras and stuff like that, especially in an aspect of Tacticam. I've done some, you know, with, with uh, like DSLR cams and obviously cell phone cam, but not really too much with the Tacticam. This is the first year that I've used them, and I, I really like them. I mean, I've shot a lot in the backyard, 
got real cool video of the Luminoc flying through the air and, you know, it, it hitting the target. But I'll be dipped if it's something that it, it's about the farthest thing from my mind when I'm getting ready to, to shoot a whitetail, you know. I definitely need uh, definitely need some learning time, and i got to remember. Uh, well, yeah, I'm, I'm figuring out a whole lot about what not to do this year. So <laughs> hopefully I'll be able to apply that to future hunts. So I don't know. We'll see. Time will tell. Just don't turn on the main camera and put it down the wrong deer. That's okay. Yeah, that was that was me last year. Yeah. Oh boy. Yeah, I could I could definitely see us going for a while on this one. Yeah. Yeah, I just I, uh, last year had a doe come in and my I was actually filming my son and he was completely screwed up on the situation. He was looking the wrong way. His bow was hanging up. Finally, I'm like, well, I'm gonna shoot this you know this doe, and so I walked around and I'm like. Looking down at the camera, I had her in frame, looked back up, took one more range, and then looked down like, yep, yeah, yeah, she's still in frame. Drew back, shot her, and I looked, and the, I couldn't see the knock in my, in the viewfinder. I was like, what the heck? So I didn't even, like, at that point, like, I, when I looked down, I didn't even, like, pan to look at the deer, you know, or try to follow the deer. I was like, what the heck? And then. So I went back and looked at the footage, and I was I was looking at the deer behind her. <laughs> oh, geez. So I was on the wrong deer. You know, I looked up, and at, at the time I ranged, she must have, like, you know, they had walked through the opening. But then when I looked down, the other one was standing, like, right where she had been. So I was like, oh, well, <laughs> I didn't realize that it was not on the right deer, but. So I got some good, got, I got some good sound on that one. I mean. But right, yeah, didn't get there's a bright side to it. I guess that would be it. (laughs) Had the audio footage, right? Right, play it over the radio. (laughs) Podcasters, we're not video guys, yeah, right. (laughs) So, um, tell us a little bit about like what you do for Luminoc and and kind of how you got into the, the role that you're at right now. Well, I've shot the product for just about 15 years, probably a little, just a little bit shy. Never used any other lighted knock product, uh, never needed to. They, they always worked well for me and uh, got into them about two, maybe three years after they were just getting out into the big box stores, Bass Pro and uh you know, Gander Mountain, so on, Cabela's, whatever, you know, whatever the case may be. And I, I'm generally the guy that doesn't buy a product the first year that it comes out. A lot of, you know, and, and you guys, I'm sure know as well, there, there's a whole bunch of gimmick products out there. And, you know, most of us have a few of them in the back of a drawer that we won't throw out because we spent good money on it. But on the other side, all it's doing is collecting dust. So, you know, I, I try to avoid doing that as much as possible. But it came to, I want to say it was about two, well, they were released into the big box stores in like 2004-ish. And it was about 2006 or 2000, you know, right about 2006, 
I had, or 2005 rather, I'd shot two deer and lost two arrows after the pass through. I couldn't, couldn't find them. I had no idea where, where they went. And then one of them, I don't, I honest to God, I, I don't know what happened. I might have bumped my trigger or the the release failed. I'm not sure, but I launched one somewhere where it, it could have been 50 foot up in a tree as far as I know. I, I have no idea. But uh, either way, those those two that passed through and I couldn't find and I, I you know, I was doing the math and it's like, well, you know, it, it's 20, you know, 25 you know, 20 bucks an arrow, give or take a little bit with the broadhead on it. And so I just kissed away 40 bucks right there. Well, 60, including the shot that who knows where it went. And so I was like, all right, I'm going to try these things out. So I went out and I bought of my first three pack and I was shooting GT uh, gold tip arrows back then. So I went and I got the first, my first pack of green luminox for the gt arrows and from that point on i don't think i've lost but maybe three arrows in the last 15 ish years so that definitely uh you know it, the the first year after a couple of pastures on a couple of deer and i found my arrows i'm, I'm like well here we go I got a, I got a feeling I'm going to be using this one for a long time to come. And here it comes, you know, over 14 years later now, and I'm still using Luminoc products and, and I've got no reason to switch. They work. And so with, with the company though, um, how did you get involved there? Well, a few years back, I was inquiring about it to, uh, the former staff coordinator and I finally got selected to to join it about two and a half years ago and I worked my way up from uh, field staff to uh, field staff manager and I had a pro staff position at that point while I was running the field staff and uh, the former coordinator had stepped away and they selected me to take over the national staff program and uh that was that was in june so i it i i, I can't say anything but but i'm blessed to be able to to have t been selected to take the position over and um what doors that it has opened up for me as far as what you know we were saying earlier that being able to travel uh, to do some hunts that I really wouldn't be able to do on my own. So, you know, it's, it's truly a blessing to, to have been uh, selected for this position. Now, there's a lot of those labels that get thrown around, you know, brand ambassador, field staff, pro staff, like, uh, I guess, you know, in general, or maybe like for, from your experience, like what is the difference for guys that are listening? Cause you can, you know, get on some of these bow hunting pages and everybody's a freaking staff member for everything right. under the sun. And, um, so, so what, how, how does that break down? What is the, what is the difference or what do those labels mean? Well, uh, as far as it goes, we don't, try to build the staff numbers up to something absolutely obscure 
like a lot of the other companies out there do. Um, the field staff is, is entry level. It, if you've been shooting lighted knock or shooting even, you know, shooting Illuminoc or shooting some other lighted knock product and you decide that you want to switch over to Luminoc, get some, you know, pictures, get some video taken of, of you shooting Illuminoc products, uh, you know, then we can get into, a, you know, an application process and whatnot. And then you, you're starting, you're getting your foot in the door and it the field staff side introduces you to trying to get more video work out more pictures out regarding the luminog products uh and just getting more familiar with everything else and and the process that it takes to actually get the promotion to get up to the pro side where we actually release videos from staff like uh, uh, we call them tech talk videos, which may be anything from an installation process to the battery replacement process, uh, the challenge shots uh, that, that we as the staff coordinator and managers design, or uh, we, we sometimes leave that up to the staff members to pick some sort of a challenge that they wanna do and then the rest of the staff has to go about doing it. And, and again, getting uh, into the pro staff side, you're doing a lot more video work, like out in, you know, out in the woods, you know, getting video of the products, doing what they're supposed to do, uh, light, you know, lighting up after, after pulling that trigger, whether it be on a crossbow or a compound bow. But it's really a, it, you start off on the field staff level, you, you get your foot in the door, uh, they do offer a, a pretty decent discount in comparison to other quest, uh, other companies out there, but we, we do our best to keep the staff at a level where we're getting production, uh, as far as, you know, a little bit of getting the, getting some pictures out there every week and stuff like that. So, you know, you actually have to earn you know, earn that little bit of a discount that you're going to be getting or good discount that you're going to be getting rather. And, uh, you know, we try to keep it, keep the staff active, keep it productive. And, you know, we, we try to do our best to avoid what we can as far as what I guess would be called discount grabbers or, you know, discount hounds. And, if if we see somebody not doing what they need to do, uh, we'll we'll address it at that point in time. But we hope we don't have to. We you know would like everybody to do what they need to do, as per the contract that they signed. Okay, like I said, you know for for some people listening out there, you know everybody thinks you know pro means professional means getting paid you know by all these companies and things like that. So like I said, I just thought I'd. You know, from from your perspective as a a coordinator and all that. Um, so, I guess, what's the history of the Luminoc as a company? I mean, how long have they been around? And I guess, what are some of the products that they that they've got out, and how has it evolved over the years? Well, uh, back in I believe it was 1998, 
is when Curtis Price and Eric Price, the owners and inventors of the entire uh, the entire lighted knock deal, as far as it went back then, uh, they went through. I want to say it was almost twenty different prototypes before they wound up getting the patent on it in two thousand and two. And then by 2004, they were out in the big box stores and everything like that. Um, the products are uh, lighted knocks. They're, they have no moving parts on them, no switches. They don't require any tools to shut them off. Uh, they do have the replaceable batteries in them. And the batteries themselves have about a 40-hour continuous runtime, and I've, I've seen that stretched out to at least double on some circumstances so far. Other than that, it's the we got a HD orange, the green, and then the pink knocks. The pink knocks uh, are part of that purchase price from that pink knock actually goes to St. Jude's Children's Hospital. And I believe this year uh, they had written them a check for almost $6,000, if I'm not not mistaken. So, I mean, that's a, that's a very cool thing I like about the company as well. And not only for the, you know, the brave kids at St. Jude's, I actually see the pink knock better than I do the HD orange and the green. But what's kind of cool at the shows is you could, you know, walk away from the booth with three lit knocks and three different arrows. And you could have three guys standing next to each other. And one of them will see the green best. One of them will see the HD and one of them will see the, uh, the pink. So it, it really does make a difference as to what the individual's eyes see best. Uh, it's not a one-size-fits-all deal. It, it really is kind of a cool thing to do at the shows. And you'll see that there's so many people that see the, different, the three different colors differently. You know, the, the greens pop to some people, and the greens seem to pop to... Uh, uh, people that are colorblind or borderline colorblind, that the green really jump out to them the most, and uh, you know it. It's a pretty cool test to do when you're at the shows, which it, you know this year is, well, next year rather is is looking like it's going to be a nightmare from the show aspect. So, uh, I think we got everybody in the outdoor industry. We're trying to figure out ways to figure out how to make up some of that lost revenue from what the shows would actually bring in. So I, I just got a question here and just, I, I had to have Johnny's got the, the uh, packaging from the Luminoc. And every time I've always seen Luminoc and you said the owners were um, uh, the inventors or whatever, or something, I'm like, who in the hell is Burt Coyote? It's like the, the Burt Coyote light him up, Luminoc from Burt right. Coyote. I'm like, who is this Burt Coyote guy? What a cool name if your name is Burt Coyote, right? So what's the story behind that? You know, it, I, it was told to me once uh, going on a couple of years ago now, and all I know is that uh, one of the inventors, Curtis, 
Um, I, I think some gal uh, called him Bert, <laughs> and uh, I I believe there was uh, there was a couple of beers involved, and well, next thing you know, they're like, "Well, dadgum it, let's let's roll with it." So uh, <laughs> they did. I mean, uh, that. It, I know that there's more to that story, and it, I, <laughs> I, I wish I could remember more of it, but I can remember it was something about me- messing up Curtis's name and called him Bert instead of Curtis, or Kurt, rather. And, uh, that, like I said, some some adult beverages being involved, <laughs> and, well, that just kind of... It just kind of spiraled from there, and they decided to run with it. So it it stuck, <laughs> and uh, you know that's and, and throughout the entire industry, it, you know, pretty much every every lighted not company out there is has become synonymous with Luminoc, regardless of what product they actually have. A lighted knock is just a Luminoc all the way across the board whether it be any of the other manufacturers or an actual Luminox, you know? So that's another thing we see. It shows, yeah, well, you know, I shoot Luminox and I'm like, okay, great. You know? And they're like, well, yeah, uh, why don't these have the universal adapters? And I'm like, well, because the ones you're shooting probably aren't Luminox because Luminox are size specific to each application all the way down to uh, making custom outserts for, the micro diameter shafts that have been making a comeback here in the past, well, the past probably five or better years, uh, they kind of came back, they kind of came out, shoot probably in the 90s and, uh, yeah, somewhere back then. And then they, they, they kind of just faded away a little bit. Then all of a sudden, you know, within the past, five years or better it seems like the micro diameter shafts are are making a bit of a comeback as well but uh luminac won't sacrifice the durability and make a knock that's going to be that thin to fit in the actual uh back into that arrow they actually make a custom made insert made to order uh based on whatever arrow uh, micro diameter arrow shafts that you have on in the outer diameter and all that good stuff and it's actually called the h knock adapter and like i said that's custom made for the micro diameter shaft of any manufacturer and then it fits the h knock which is a 0.234 inside diameter knock and let's talk about the the makeup of them like the components because these have replaceable batteries that's pretty you know easy to replace uh, it's pretty i guess intuitive i guess and there's no tools or anything so let's let's talk about the like the makeup of the knock and then kind of uh how you turn them on and off etc well um like i said there's no moving parts uh the wire is a test wire uh that wraps around that battery after it's been installed into the knock itself the knock has two contacts one on each side of the dock and the once they do require an all carbon shaft to complete the circuit 
very much like your light switch in your house. Uh, you turn it on, you complete the circuit, your light comes on, so on and so forth, turn it off, and it, it, it turns off, which is the same principle that the Luminonc is based on. When it, it requires a minimum of roughly 25 pounds of pressure to push that knock into the carbon shaft, and that's where a lot of the fitment uh, comes into play. And on the shaft of that knock, there's there's three or there's five raised ridges, which are called sets. So if you buy a Luminant product, the you know based on the correct size inside diameter arrow you have, just for instance, uh, you know 0.244. Uh, two, four, five, which is the S knock, but your arrow, it, you know, you're having a bit of a hard time sliding it in. Um, we don't want you to put 200 and some odd pounds of man or <laughs> whatever the case may be to get that knock into the arrow because then it's not going to function right and you may damage the knock or the arrow itself. Those sets are made on that uh, no no arrows uh, absolutely perfect you know uh, th there can be little thickness you know differentiations and stuff like that and that's where the sets come into play and if you're having a real hard time getting that knock to slide into the arrow shaft you grab a sharp knife or a razor blade and shave one of those sets down uh you can also use uh either crayon uh, beeswax, candle wax as a lubricant to get the knocks into the arrows if they're being a bit on the difficult side. But if that still doesn't work, that's when you get into shaving the sets down. And you just, you know, shave one down, you know, one at a time until it gets to the point where you can push it in, um, but you don't want to be able to, you know, it, it, it's meant to be snug. It's meant to fit pretty tight, but like I said, you don't don't want it where you gotta you know lay into it, you know pushing it on the ground with your hand on the front of the arrow, and then trying to get the knock in because then you're gonna either damage the knock or damage the arrow, uh, and that's not what you know not what uh, we obviously don't want that to happen. Um, but you know on the flip side of that, it's it it's a light, it's a battery. The knocks are poured actually at Luminox. Uh, they used to be uh, in court. The Luminox used to be incorporated into a boning knock. Well, they, they got away from that. and They're actually doing the entire process in Yates City, Illinois. So the knock itself is 100% American made. The only thing that's not is the battery. And that's because they don't make them uh, in the United States. So that, that's the only other thing, but you know, like you said, or you know, like you said, the batteries are replaceable. It's about five, five or six bucks for a two pack of the batteries, and like I said, they they have a over forty continuous hour runtime, so they're made to be practiced with. They're made to be shot, and I use mine year round. Uh, you know, anytime I'm out, out in my backyard practicing here, once I fling my first three arrows and I generally just practice with three, 
uh, I don't turn the, I don't turn the knocks off until I get them back in the house and, uh, turn them off and then they're ready to go for the next time. And when I start seeing them get dim, uh, got the batteries, you know, as I say in stock, uh, to be able to just go ahead and do a quick, you know, quick swap out of the battery. But one thing I will tell you is the, there's a black O-ring that is on the battery that creates a seal. So no moisture, blood, or anything else like that can actually get up into the knock. And you can actually use Luminox on your bow fishing rigs. So the that that O-ring pretty much makes it a waterproof design and you can use it in your bow fishing arrows and see that Luminox, you know, go go flying through the water at whatever target stingray carp or you know, whatever you're going after. But I will say that that black O-ring is, it, just imagine it being a piece of gold <laughs> because it, I found out on, on a couple different occasions that when, you know, you, you drop that O-ring onto a dark carpet or something of the sort like that, a dark hardwood floor, whatever the case may be, uh, you're pretty much screwed <laughs> with, without that O-ring. So I do suggest uh, putting a piece of paper towel down or something white. So when you take that, the new batteries don't come with those O-rings. So when you're doing the battery swap out, you got to put that O-ring back onto the new battery. And if you lose that O-ring, well, that the battery's not going to stay in place the way that it needs to be for it to function. Yeah, that kind of so, reminds me of uh, if you've ever built an AR-15 lower, uh, there's a couple ball detents in there that are held in by springs, and if you're not paying attention when you're putting them together or taking them apart, that'll shoot across the, the room, and you'll have... Oh, yeah. Midway or somebody on on your browser in a few seconds going, son of a bitch. Yep. <laughs> oh, yeah. You're sitting there, and, you know, next thing you know, you you spent a half an hour, and you probably went over it three or four, maybe half a dozen times and didn't see it. So you can almost guarantee the fact that the, the uh, O-ring is going to be found by your vacuum cleaner or power broom uh, whatever the case may be, before you find it. So, like I said, I, I it's my practice now. I make sure that I'm doing it on a light surface with white paper towels. Uh, you swap the O-ring over. You, you can use a little bit of uh, saliva as a lubricant to get the battery back into the knock because plastic and rubber you know, they, they don't get along too well. So that rubber needs a little bit of lubrication to get it back up into that knock and seated right. And then that wire, you can touch. Uh, one of them's a positive, one of them's ground. Uh, the contact on the sides of the shoulders of the knock, you touch that wire to it. And when you see it light up, you know that you got the battery all the way up, up in there seated where it needs to be. And then you just twist the wire back around the battery, get it back installed into your arrow, and you're ready to go for another 40 continuous hours of playing. Or, um, you know, it, if you have a pass-through shot, you can't find it maybe during a really bright summer day 
or season day rather, go back that night after it's dark and the light will be the beacon that leads you straight to your arrow, which is, you know, these days up to, you know, $20 in arrow in, in, in some circumstances with a $20 broadhead on it. So you want to recover, you know, kissing away 40 bucks, uh, is not a good plan. We like to, uh, you know, we basically the Luminoc motto is, is we want you to buy products one time and we just want to maintain them down the road for you. As far as battery replacements, no different than, you know, if you buy a car, the dealership, you know, come back for your oil changes. Well, that's the same thing that, you know, same thing Luminoc wants to do is, is get that, you know, get those batteries sold. You know, we don't want, we don't require people to buy new knocks every year if the batteries go dead on them. You know, we see it as a $6 investment down the road after 40 continuous hours is a pretty good trade-off. So Johnny said he's shooting them all year round. I'm going to have to ask you to do that. How do you think that'll fare for you uh, through the winter? <laughs> we shoot an indoor uh, small game league and I, I usually follow John shooting so yeah that one <laughs> be shooting my knocks off all winter long that's one of the other things that you know using Illumina can help you figure out is if you've got something wonky going on with your arrow and if it's you know uh, porpoising or you know kicking side to side for whatever reason you can see that arrow in flight and it, it's a big telltale deal for uh, solving a problem on an arrow some of them just because they come out of the factory doesn't mean that every arrow is a hundred percent square on both ends so when i'm building my arrows actually luminac uh, came out with a tool called the fast tool, which is the fletched arrow. Oh, snap. Uh, fletched arrow squaring tool. And what you do is you just put the arrow into the, the jig per se. And, you know, with a constant pressure on it, you kind of spin it around on, on both sides. And that way, you know, uh, I, and I generally use a silver Sharpie. So I trace the end of the, uh, well, both ends of the arrow before I build them with that silver Sharpie and I get it onto that fast tool, spin it around. And when all that silver Sharpie is gone, I know that that end of the arrow is square and that can attribute to the, uh, I believe it's one ten thousandth of an inch on the back of the arrow, uh, being kicked off can it. Uh, make a difference out to 20 yards out to over an inch. And that uh, I, I'm pretty sure we've all had it happen. You have one arrow that no matter what you do, it's kicking over to the right or kicking over to the left or whatever the case may be. You're shooting 10 ring, 10 ring, 10 ring. And next thing you know, that one just flies off every time. Well, that could be very well due to the fact that the back of that arrow may not be completely square. And I've noticed, and and I witnessed this myself with my own arrows. After I've, you know, after I'd gotten that tool, I shot, I grabbed that arrow, I used the tool, I squared that back in, and next thing you know, that arrow's flying as good as the other ones were. 
Yeah, definitely. So that's definitely an interesting thing to, you know, a, a good tool to have on hand just for, uh, you know, circumstances like that where you can make sure that, that your arrows are square on both ends. That definitely is a, you know, I square all, I build all my own arrows, and so I have uh, arrow squaring device as well, and I do the same exact, you know, process, marker, square both ends, make sure that everything's good. Now, with your, with the, with the, Illuminoc, how, how, I mean, obviously they're pretty durable, but I mean, like I, right now I'm shooting nocturnals and I'm not been impressed with nocturnals lately. Like I shoot a Easton axis and so Easton axis five millimeter shaft. So I'm shooting the X knock and like, like you had actually mentioned a little bit earlier, the, with the nocturnals there's so little bit of there, there's just barely any material around the battery in the knock if you hit any little uh branch or hit something hard the knock breaks right off and how uh i'm not i haven't shot luminoc enough to know you know like what how uh, durable are they i mean so what is your experience with, with the Luminox and durability, like shooting, you know, Adam and I like to shoot trees once in a while, and <laughs> maybe some metal fixtures in the backyard. Jeeps. Yeah, Jeeps. Yeah. Uh, that, that sounds like a personal problem there, <laughs> if, I, if I would say that myself. Um, the, the durability is definitely there. Like I said, Luminox won't, you know, won't make a knock that doesn't pass its durability test as far as anything like that goes and the tolerances that they're made by. And like I said, they don't have uh, any moving parts or requiring any tools to shut them off. But Luminoc does make a tool. Uh, it, it's called the knock extinguisher slash arrow puller. Hmm. And you can pretty much uh, you, if you got bloody hands after you, you're cleaning a deer and you got your knock there and you want to shut it off, your hands are sliding off of it. If you've got that extinguisher in your possession, you just slide that over the knock, wiggle your wrist a few times, and it'll shut it off. Whereas if even if you don't have that tool, <clears throat> you basically just use your thumb and your forefinger and kind of just wiggle that knock just a little bit away at all it requires is a 32nd of an inch that you need to break the contact with so you're not you know you're not, not gonna stay lit in your bow case or uh quiver whatever the case may be as far as the durability goes i've i you know i do my best i don't like to badmouth other companies that are out there trying to make money just like everybody else is but one thing I can tell you is I've seen it firsthand with guys that I've that I've shot with, guys that I hunt with. Uh, in fact, my uh, non-blood, but you know, uh, my families nonetheless have experienced a lot of the problems with those other brands, and they are now all shooting Luminoc 
and they're all very happy with them. So it, as far as that goes, I know what I like. I know what I like to work with. And throughout the course of 15 years, yeah, I've, I've shot the back of arrows and, and broke the knockout, you know, broke one of the ears off the knock or whatever the case like that is. But what's cool about Luminox is that you actually use that wire that's wrapped around that battery. And even if you have an ear that's snapped off, keep it in your pack. Because what you can do is get that wire and run it up through that positive side contact. That'll activate the knock and you just kind of fold it around a little bit. You drop that knock on the ground and you use that as a beacon per se, as to where your first drop of blood is. So if you've got two broken, you know, two broken knocks that you've shot the ears off of, that knock is still going to work, and you can use it, you know, first blood, then you go to the next one, and you, you got the other one lit up, put it there, you grab it, and you just kind of alternate. So if you're 10 yards or whatever away from where that last blood spot blood spot is you can see that you know you drop that knot there so it's you know it's telling you well yeah you know i don't have to go back and and find that first drop of blood because that knocks there doing its job lit up yeah the i mean the knock to me looks like one of the stock black eagle knocks that i mean basically look, yeah. i mean yeah definitely you know i like the way the the battery is not taking up part of the um, the knock shaft itself and losing material there. It, I mean, the, the lights, the light goes through it in the wiring, but like I said, the, the nocturnals that I'm shooting right now, there's no material there. And I've, you know, you spend 30 bucks on a set, you know, or 10 bucks a knock and shoot them one time and then they're junk. I mean, it's, it's getting a little bit ridiculous. So it's time for me to, switch up and try something new so now with luminoc i mean you said they they've been around for i mean how many years and uh, and basically they haven't changed do they have anything new coming out or uh i mean or why change you know something that's already working great uh, that that's pretty much what I I mean I can't speak for a hundred percent I'm not part of the R and D team but they you know like you just said if if it ain't broke don't fix it and that's kind of what they go by the newest thing that did come out was the excuse me the HD orange knock which uh, is said to be thirty percent brighter. Uh, and that's 30% brighter than what the old orange knock was. And that, that's been out for, you know, several years now. But as far as anything, you know, anything new, uh, you know, like you said, if it's not broken, you know, don't fix it. And we don't do, you know, there's, there's companies out there that have these strobing and blue and, and all that other stuff. And, <laughs> through rigorous testing and <clears throat> excuse me rigorous testing and uh, all sorts of different tests from 
the durability to which uh, which knocks get seen best. And the blue knocks actually don't fall into that category. And secondarily, for that blue knock to have the brightness of what the Illuminate green, orange, or pink have, uh, they found that you'd have to actually run a two-battery setup on it, which is going to increase the grains on it uh, by like 10 or, you know, 10 or 11 grains. And given the fact that most knocks are somewhere about 12 to 14 grains, and then Illuminoc weighs, I believe, 26. So, I mean, adding 10 grains to the back of that arrow, so, you you know, we don't want to add another 10 grains on the back of that. Then you're going to have to worry about compensating on the front end for it and whatnot. And, um, you know, out to 60 yards, and, and I shoot, you know, pretty regularly out, out to that uh, and not much well, not much beyond it because, well, I don't have access to a, a property like that most of the time, but I do have 60, 60 yards in my actual yard. And I don't know, really don't notice any kind of difference between what a stock knock would shoot or, you know, where a Luminoc would. And, you know, like I said, Luminocs are size specific, whereas, you know, it's going to be the S for the 0 .244, 0 .245, the 0.246 is the GT knock, which gold tip kind of, you know, uh, crisscrosses there. And there's a few other applications out there that actually use the 0.246 size. The X is 0.204 and then the H is 0.234. And all of which are just, they're designed to be shot hundreds of times and, you know, survive several battery replacements and in fact i've still got one of my original gt green knocks that i had bought back in like 2006 and if i put a new battery in it right now it'll light up just as bright as it did the first day that i went ahead and installed it into that arrow so it, they do stand the test of time um as far as um, shooting a Jeep, uh, I can't <laughs> tell you that's. Uh, I'm pretty confident that that's not of the not in the testing procedures that Luminoc <laughs> has done. Nor I don't think they're going to start that kind of practice. Yeah, but I don't. I may be wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't recommend that. That uh, it doesn't go over well with the wife. So no. I can't see it going well on an arrow, going well for the uh, the knock. And, and Luminox are actually designed, if they do have a very hard impact, they're designed for the battery to actually fall out of that knock. So it just goes down in your shaft, and that way the, uh, the no damage will happen to that battery if it's that kind of an impact where you shoot a Jeep or, you know, a four-foot thick oak. Uh, you know, type deal. But other than that, that that battery's locked in there with that O-ring. And it, uh, like I said, I want the first shot that I take, I just leave them on the entire time I'm practicing or shooting, whatever you want to call it. And, you know, when I'm done, I bring them in the house and I just use my thumb, forefinger and wiggle, wiggle, wiggle. And you got three knocks that are out. But that extinguisher, 
is a very handy tool to have for sweaty hands if you're just sliding off the knock and you can feel that there's three raised ridges on each rid on each ear of the knock which is more for grip uh crossbow uh the luminar crossbow knocks are a little bit more difficult to turn off uh via hand than the actual arrow knocks are but so you go to a buddy's and he's got a stubborn bag target and i know we've all shot stubborn targets at some point in time in our lives so that uh extinguisher slash arrow puller i believe is about eight bucks but worth its weight in gold when you go over to your buddy's house and you're trying to get an arrow out of his target that's you know more stubborn than my 100 percent german grandmother was to get you know something out and you just walk up to it you know put your you know put that puller on it you pull that arrow right out and then you can like i said if you want to shut them off every time but go ahead use your fingers or use that extinguisher uh, either way, like I said, it's it's just a, a easy process. You slide that extinguisher on over the knock, and you know, wiggle your wrist a little bit, kind of waving, you know, kind of waving higher goodbye type motion, and um, that it it pulls the knock away from the uh, away from the shaft, breaking the circuit, and uh, you know, you're ready ready to get going again after that. Sweet. So one of the questions I always ask. Uh, our uh, guest is what's your so what's your current bow setup right now for like a vertical bow um it, i'm actually shooting an expedition mountaineer at 60 pounds and uh 29 inch draw length uh kind of settling between a, a few different arrows right now uh between carnivores uh element tornadoes and deer crossing and I'm trying to kind of get the feel of which one that I'm liking best. But they're in in fact, all three of them seem to shoot pretty identically. Um, so it it's really a hard decision from that aspect to use. Now on the crossbow, I've got a buddy of mine here in town who's actually an expedition uh, dealer, and he's a bow tech and all that good stuff. And he builds custom custom shafts, whether it be for, you know, uh, arrow or, or crossbow bolts. And I had him, uh, build me a, a half a dozen of those bolts. And, and I'll tell you the, the knocks that I use are, they're 0.300. Uh, the, the shafts are 0.300 and I use the pink and HD orange on, on those. And, and I'll tell you, they they lit the way to you know two deer so far, and, and glowing just as bright. You know, helped me. You know, definitely helped me find the deer, and they've helped me many times. I can't even count over the years where I've been able to recover my arrow after a pass through, or um, the shot that you know the bow was off on, or it was the wind, or the humidity, or uh the arrow's fault because i mean we as archers we never miss it's always got to be something <laughs> else whether you know it's the bow the bow the arrow uh you know the release failed you know it, the list of excuses is you know probably pages long that we can you know uh 
that we can go through, but you know, we're we're never off. I mean, we're we're dead accurate with every single shot we take. Yeah, right. Sure. Well, that's why I have John build all my components, so it's not my fault either way. <laughs> yeah, you just blame me for everything. But I definitely, you know, like thinking about you, you do all your hunting on the ground. So when you sh- when you get a pass through, your arrow's going. You know, like when we're shooting, uh, when we're hunting off a saddle or a tree stand. And we get a pass through. It's usually right there on the ground, you know, or stuck right. in a log or something. Where, when you're at ground level and you're going through, now you're talking. It could go twenty, thirty yards back behind the animal, or farther. Yes, sir. So, definitely a, a good uh, lighted knock situation for <laughs> for ground hunting. Oh, yeah, that that you know that's definitely for sure. And uh, just like any deer, or you know, whether it be elk or deer or or moose or bear for that matter they they never tend to expire in an area that uh isn't basically the thorniest nastiest thickest stuff that you have to go through to actually get that deer or again you know like you said it with the arrow on the pass through it can go you know 20 30 plus yards beyond that deer and and again it's good it never fails it's gonna wind up in the thickest area possible <laughs> and you know you're coming in at night trying to find it then you get there and you reach in and you're you know your arms bleeding after that point and you you know you're cussing every uh cussing everything that you possibly can out there after you get that arrow or when you finally see the arrow and then have to think of the plan on how I'm going to extract this arrow from said uh, ro- wild rose vine brushy area that you were not expecting to deal with at night, right. you know. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, always going to be a fun, fun factor there. <laughs> Oh yeah, again, and I mean, you guys are you guys are up in Michigan. I'm not, and I haven't hunted Michigan, but I'm pretty sure you guys are. You know, you have some of the same thorny, nasty crap up there that we have down here. Oh, for it's, sure. At least some uh, some extent. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it's always better than pulling it out of the hood of your Jeep. So I thought yeah. I'd just add that one more time <laughs> in here before we got to the end. <laughs> Oh, that's great. You're not going to let that one rest. And I got to say, that's pretty damn funny if I do say so myself. I've done a lot of stupid stuff, but I still haven't added a Jeep. Um, You ever shot your brand new Jeep? Did you have that hood taxidermied, or is it hanging on your wall? Uh, Well, I'm looking at it right now. It's parked right behind us in the the, my garage here. I I put a little... uh, plastic trim luckily i mean we actually posted a picture of it on our instagram and people thought it was completely fake but i'm like listen there's no way i would even fake i mean why would i fake this (laughs) it's like right i was paper tuning my bow and i shot and it went through my garage door and my jeep was parked outside right in front of the door oh and uh it actually it hit like right I mean, I measured it. it was like a quarter inch off of dead center in between, like between the headlights. And it was right when it went through, it hit the actual, the hood latch. Thank God. Otherwise, if it wouldn't have hit the hood latch, it would have went right into the motor, the top oh. of the motor. 
So it hit, the, it hit the hood latch, and it deflected. It actually broke the arrow. It was a full metal jacket. Right. And it broke the arrow. When the arrow went down, it almost put a hole through my uh, uh, the AC condenser unit. But <laughs> I was going to say, you got lucky that you didn't pop that condenser or, or radiator. I, I, uh, previous to my back deciding to crap out on me, I was a mechanic, uh, auto body man, painter, welder. A uh, custom fabricator, bikes and cars and stuff like that, and so I'm very familiar with with automotive and motorcycle stuff from many, many, many years of playing with them. <laughs> but you know, it would even been you know more funny on that hood. You get one of those band aid decals <laughs> and you just put it on it, fixed, what? What? <laughs> custom, done. <laughs> What I did is because I I like to use the the word the term clown all the time like you know look at these clowns you know we're clowns walking around the woods you know <laughs> and I'm like well I took one of my old arrows that were uh, broke off and it had like the red white and blue fletching and a fluorescent like orange red knock and I cut a little chunk of it about an eight inch piece with the fletchings and I stuck that in the hood and I was like, well, here's my clown badge of honor. It looks like a clown nose, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and so I drove around with that for a day and I drove over to my uncle Frank's and, you know, Adam, we we're actually getting ready to do a podcast over there the night in the, in the studio. And I'm like, well, here's the clown badge of honor. Check this out. And, uh, yeah, they all couldn't believe it. So, and then the people, like I said, people on the, when we finally showed the the picture on Instagram, it took a few months because my wife was, she definitely was not happy with me. And I uh, can't, I can't imagine she would have been. I didn't, I wouldn't have wanted to be in your shoes when you had to say that, honey. I shot the jeep. Well, I not only shot the jeep, but I shot the door and the jeep. Right. Uh, yeah. I can't see that as you know going over smoothly. Like, oh, it's okay, honey. Uh, I can I can imagine there is there is some couch city time uh, <laughs> after that. If I if I'm not mistaken. Oh yeah. <laughs> yes, for sure. It took a little bit of a. It took a little time to smooth that one over, but uh, we're all good now. So good. I'm glad it worked out. <laughs> So if people want to check out Luminox or or uh, any of that, where can they find them? Where can they follow along with social media? And, and if they want to reach out, you know, how can they get a hold of you if they've got questions or, or anything like that? Well, Ed, as far as anything like that goes, it's it's the, you know, Luminox.com. And that'll pull you into what uh, another great feature of the Luminox company and of the website is right when you sign on to the, you know, get into the website and start. It's got a knock selector feature where you in, you input your uh, manufacturer, model of arrow, and if you're shooting, you know, compound or crossbow. And so you put in the, you know, Easton and then the Axis or FMJ or whatever, and you're shooting a compound, it'll direct you straight to the knock that the correct knock size that you're going to need. And uh, at, that makes life a lot easier from that aspect because you're not having to, you know, look through a book or, you know, I mean, but it is on everything on the, if you go to a big box store and you're wanting them, uh, it's on the back of the package 
or the insert that comes with every knock. And uh, the one thing that, you know, like I said, it, 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 the, with the pink, it's the St. Jude's thing, and that's huge to me. But on the insert, there's a section that says stuff you must know. And I just want to be clear, it's not instructions. So guys are allowed to read this. <laughs> that being said, it's stuff you must know. And I can guarantee you that 98%, uh, 99% of everything that either myself or my, my staff management teams deal with is people saying that they, you know, they wouldn't fit, you know, that's what, where we got into the, the shaving, the set and lubrication deal earlier, you know, earlier here this evening. Uh, but you know, the fitment, the sets, the lubrication, you know, uh, battery changes, even on that insert. So it's definitely something that, that people are going to want to read. It's, it, primarily it's it's open the package you know find the clock position that you need it to be on whether it's odd vein up odd vein out whatever the case may be get the knock slide it in and you know with 25 pounds of pressure and above that's what is going to activate that knock and that knock's not going to shut off until you physically turn it off uh, but that stuff you must know is is really a key thing for anybody that that buys the Knox and you know makes a jump over to the Luminox side. Uh, they, they really ought to read it. And if they decide that they don't want to, there's plenty of stuff that's available via YouTube on installation, and and it's actually uh, several a lot of different pros out there including the owners of Luminoc that are that have made these videos for you know instructional purpose so like i said you don't put a 200 and some odd pound man on the front of the arrow to try to push the knock in because then you're going to get the uh you know then you get the stuff that well yeah they're, they're crap they didn't fit they broke my arrow or when i tried to put it in you know i broke the knock well all that could have been very easily avoided just by reading the insert, the stuff you must know. And again, it's not instructions. So guys are allowed to read them. Um, <laughs> and, you know, that that's pretty much about the biggest thing uh, as far as anything that you're going to have installation question-wise or anything else. It's covered in that covered in that insert and on YouTube. Uh, other than that, you know, like I said, it's a .com. Brings you straight to that knock selector feature. It'll send you, uh, if you're shooting a crossbow or, you know, compound, and it'll take you right to the knock size that you're going to need. And you, you, fit, you pick the color that you want, whichever one stands out to you the best. And there's plenty of different, videos out there and pics out there on Luminoc that you can kind of take a quick little look at the at the knock and see for yourself which one your eyes sees better and like I said there's so many different every show that I do 
that that comes up dozens and dozens and dozens of times where I have people walking up to the booth and I'm like, well, you know, I don't know which one I should get, you know, and that's when I'll grab, you know, three arrows with three different colors on them and I'll walk away and they're like, okay, uh, pink jumps out at me the best. All right, cool. St. Jude's is going to be happy, you know, happy with it. And, you know, thank you very much for buying Illuminar product. Uh, you know, green, orange, DHD, orange, you know, whatever anybody sees the best is what they, you know, what they should go with. You know, there's no right, you know, no right, no wrong answer. It's, it's the individual seeing those colors themselves because everybody's eyes are different. Yeah, I can totally see that. So, well, yeah, man, I I, I appreciate it, uh, you know, coming on here and, and, and talking with us and, you know, those, the little bit of learning curve, we've all been through it on the, uh, the Tacticams, everybody, everybody uh, in this we, room, at least. <laughs> I, I think that it's not only just the, just the Tacticams, this has been a, you know, journey and, um, I never in my life have I ever learned anything the easy way. So this has been over 35 years of, of trials, tribulations, failures with, you know, really a good amount of success too. But it did take, you know, uh, a lot of learning on many different things and, I, I'm doing my best to keep with the times and I'm using the Tacticams now and I, gum! I just want to get a video on a Technicam this year that's something outside audio. Uh, <laughs> uh, that, that I think it is my biggest outside of shooting that. Uh, I got a couple of big bucks walking around here uh, and I hunt private property. So, I mean, it, they have food sources and water sources and everything within a small area. So I really do want to get that big buck on camera and i've actually got a doe running around here that i call the gray ghost and i've been after her for about four years i had one shot at her and i didn't realize that the chair that i was sitting on in my blind had sunk like two or three inches into the soft dirt and when i i got it lined up i shot and i didn't realize it that the arrow was uh, pretty much on the exact level as the window fold over in the blind. So when I shot, it kicked the butt end of that arrow up and went right underneath her. And she just went on her moat, you know, moseyed on her way. She is the oddest color deer I've ever seen in my life. And I know in the last two or three years that she's had twins and this year she had triplets. So we've got a down here that you know and we definitely want them that's a very big healthy cool looking doe and if i can get her i think i'd be even happier than if i got a freaking 16 point to be honest with you <laughs> and if you put antlers on her well she she she'd rank up there in the in the good buck size body <laughs> so it definitely some cool cool stuff going on down here and uh i know i've I've got two in my freezer. Now I can concentrate on being a little more selective. And then uh, if I do get another one down, and this has been a practice that I've done for many years, uh, that if I get enough, you know, a third deer down or if I get two really big ones, 
I'll bring the meat over to either the homeless shelter in town or there's a battered women's shelter that I'll bring the, uh, you know, the, the butchered meat to where they just got to, you know, thaw it out and they can put it in chili or spaghetti, tacos, whatever the case, that, you know, might be. And that can, you know, carry quite a quite a long ways when you got several crockpots full of, you know, full of yummy Bambi chili, and uh, the people don't even have to know, right? <laughs> right. You know, but it does carry out. You know, it does carry out a long, uh, you know, a long way with those shelters. And that's one of the things that I, you know, I enjoy doing. I, you know, I, I like to share my spoils. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's a great. That's a great thing to do, man. And um, you know, we really hope that you're gonna get a crack at one of those. I mean, sounds like that big doe is just about the same, you know, on the same same level as a lot of the deer that we're hunting. So, yeah, <laughs> for for sure. So, um, you know, thanks for taking the time with us tonight. And I think that's kind of all we got for this evening. Well, thank you guys for having me, man. I I definitely appreciate it. 